Additional pay TV losses accelerated in Q3 2023 pushed upwards by multiple doom loops. But does the recent charter Disney carriage deal hold out hope the decline can be arrested? Listen on to find out. This is Endscreen Noise. My name is Colin Dixon, founder and chief analyst at Endscreen Media, and today is November 16th, 2023. Well, the Q3 2023 results are in for the traditional pay TV industry, and the numbers are not pretty. Today, we're going to take a look at what happened in Q3 and compare that to last year. Uh, But more importantly, we're going to look at the why. Why is pay TV continuing to decline? And why that decline is actually accelerating? And whether, more importantly, the charter Disney carriage deal, which was struck just last month, could possibly hold out hope that that decline can finally be arrested. But first, Endscreen Media is partly supported by its sponsors, and we've had some great ones in the past, including companies like TiVo, Metrological, Verizon, Gracenote, and many, many others. If you'd like to become a sponsor and help keep the lights on here at Endscreen Media, why don't you send an email to sales? at endscreenmedia.com. There are many benefits to being an Endscreen Media sponsor, including being acknowledged in this podcast. You'll be able to run banners on the site and there are several other benefits as well. So why don't you consider speaking to your marketing and PR departments and see if they'd be willing to step up and support us here at Endscreen Media. Now back to the podcast. So let's take a quick look at the results from Q3 2023. Uh, The total number of US cable, satellite and telco TV subscribers in the US is now 59 million. Now that that number is 3% lower than in Q2 2023. So that's 2 million subscribers have walked out the door in the last quarter. And it's actually 13% or 9 million subscribers lower than at the end of the third quarter of 2022. And the decline in traditional pay TV is accelerating. In Q3 2022, the number of subscribers was 10% lower than one year earlier. So there is a definite acceleration there. And now... There are 45.2% of US households with a traditional pay TV subscription. One year ago, penetration was 52.7. So it's almost lost 10% in one year, a little bit under 8%. Five years ago, that penetration was 76%. And I got to tell you that it actually peaked in 2014 at 88%. So what that means is today there are 75.1 million of the 130.6 million U.S. households that are without cable, satellite or telco TV subscriptions. The virtual MVPD industry has been helping a little offset those losses. It's keeping people with some sort of big bundle of TV channels in their homes. And uh, actually this quarter, unlike other quarters, four of the top six 
virtual MVPDs actually gained subscribers in the in the, the last quarter. Only two of them did. Those four were YouTube TV, Hulu Plus Live, Sling TV, and Fubo. All added subscribers in the third quarter. And today, there are about 16.3 million virtual MVPD homes in the US. But VMVPDs are not adding subscribers as fast as traditional pay TV is losing them in the last year. They've added just under 2 million subscribers, while traditional pay TV, as I said, lost 9 million. In other words, 7 million homes have decided they don't need a big linear TV bundle of channels at all. They are perfectly happy to exist without it. So what's driving these losses and what's driving the acceleration? Well, in May, Moffitt Nathanson came up with a term I just loved, doom loops. It perfectly captured the dynamics driving the decline in traditional pay TV I'd been talking about for years. I wished I'd thought of it. It's a great term. The company articulated two doom loops that are accelerating the decline in the traditional pay TV industry. They show how core cutting simultaneously drives programmers to disinvest in traditional TV and invest more in their streaming services, which fuels call cutting and forces fewer subscribers to shoulder the burden of sports licenses, which leads to increased subscription fees and more call cutting. So Moffitt, Moffitt Nathanson pointed at those two. I've got to tell you, there are more than those two. I came up with one right off the bat. For example, Core Cutter's flight to internet TV boosts ad and subscription revenue at those services, which allows them, the SVODs and FASTs, to invest in more and better content, which in turn attracts more viewers and helps drive cord cutting. So those are the dynamics. These doom loops are conspiring, are working together to drive down the number of pay TV subscribers and to accelerate the number of people actually leaving that those services. And the impact of cord cutting is beginning to have a dramatic effect on sports channels, which have traditionally been the backstop of the pay TV business. Goodness, sports have been the anchor in the pay TV bundle for decades. Now, in Q3, as I mentioned, 1 million people lost access to the big bundle. That is, 2 million people left traditional pay TV and only 1 million, just under 1 million, grabbed a virtual MVPD. So, net-net, 1 million lost access. Well, that 1 million lost access to ESPN, the flagship sports channel. And for ESPN, that decline in subscribers equates to a loss of 11 million a month in pay TV license fees. And that doesn't even include ads. Over the last year, the channel has lost 7 million subscribers and nearly 1 billion in license fees. And this fact, more than anything, is why Disney has made the decision to create a direct-to-consumer version of ESPN, 
And of course, we're all waiting to see when that is going to come out. It won't come out probably until 2024. Uh, but ESPN Digital will show up in the not too distant future. Now, one of the biggest problems with traditional pay TV is it's gotten so expensive. And the struggle to contain the increase in those costs and keep subscription levels down has seen pay TV operators begin to drop channels to get there so that they don't have to pay those license fees. And among the most expensive ones that they've dropped are regional sports networks. And this has this has been so bad. This loss in revenue for those regional sports networks has been so bad. It, of course, has led to Diamond Sports bankruptcy. But the truth is that sports can no longer rely on traditional pay TV or cable TV channels to deliver the reach needed to support the advertising revenue they depend on. After all, there are now 55 million homes in the US with no access to the big TV bundle at all. They cannot be reached by traditional pay TV or by virtual MVPDs. Hence, as regional sports networks fail, the leagues and teams relying upon them look to streaming and in some cases local TV broadcasters to pick up the slack. That's very definitely what's happening here. Yes has done this. NESN has done this. Streaming is almost always part of that uh, equation. They almost always have a streaming, streaming component, but also some of them are looking to broadcasters to help make up those losses. Now cord cutting has really begun to hit TV ad revenue. For the longest time, it didn't seem to really impact the traditional TV ad revenue portion at all. Brands were still spending on traditional TV ads. The flight to SVOD, which at the time was predominantly ad-free, meant that opportunities to reach audiences were diminishing, making TV ads more valuable. However, that dynamic has changed. All the top SVODs now have ad-supported tiers, and three-quarters of North American viewers say they are watching fast services. Many viewers now are accessible via internet TV services, and TV ad budgets are finally beginning to shift online. eMarketer says that traditional TV ad spending generated about $66.6 billion in the US in 2022, by 2027, it says the market will decline by 15% to $56.8 billion. All the 9 plus billion decline and more will flow to connected TV advertising. CTV ad spending will increase by almost 100% or $20 billion between 2022 and 2027 to reach about $41 billion, at least according to eMarketer. So money is fueling the driving collapse of the traditional pay TV ecosystem and billions of dollars a year now are leaving it and flowing through the connected TV ecosystem instead. And that, well, we're back to those doom loops again, right? Less money in traditional TV means channels are less able to compete with streaming TV services for sports rights are hard-pressed to spend more money on original TV series, which would attract more viewers, and are struggling to deliver the audiences that brands crave. And with each passing quarter, the problem just 
gets worse. So this is a pretty bad situation. I will say that there was a glimmer of light this quarter. In the recent carriage deal between Charter and Disney, the cable provider agreed to pay the increase in license fees Disney was demanding, and I have no doubt it was demanding a lot, but it agreed to pay those in exchange for some really significant concessions. These concessions are things that Disney would never have given before. So the first one was that Charter can include Disney Plus Basic with ads in its linear TV package. That's the first one. The second one is when ESPN Digital is released, Charter can add that to its linear TV package too. And the final one was that it is no longer obligated to carry eight less popular Disney channels. In the past, Disney's been able to force Charter to carry a whole host of minor channels and pay license fees for them. So it could offer more popular ones like ESPN and ABC. It was simple. You want ESPN and ABC, then you've got to take these channels. Well, in a clear sign of Disney's waning power, the New Deal with Charter sees Channels like Baby TV, Disney Junior, Disney XD, Freeform, FXM, and others, they're all dropped from that deal. Spectrum subscribers will no longer have access to the channels, which may upset some. But, you know, if there really was enough demand for those channels, presumably Charter can go back and and deal separately with Disney for them and maybe get them priced at a more appropriate level for what the real demand is. So Charter has gotten some real flexibility now out of Disney with those channels and with the inclusion of Disney Plus Basic and when ESPN Digital is available with that too. And this starts to bring back some of that value that's been invested in interactive TV into the pay TV bundle, giving hopefully customers more reason to stick around with their pay TV subscription. It brings real value to a, to Spectrum subscribers. Uh, if Spectrum TV select customers have already subscribed to Disney Plus Basic, they can cancel their direct subscription, save the $7.99 a month they're paying, and start using the one included with the cable TV subscription. At least in the short term, this additional value could help slow the decline in Spectrum subscribers. And I got to believe that this deal that Charter and Disney have done is going to become a template for deals going forward. And the reason is simple. It's very common in licensing contracts like this to have a so-called most favored nation clause. For example, if Comcast has an MFN most favored nation clause in its deal with Disney Plus, it should be offered the same terms as Charter. In other words, We could suddenly start seeing Disney Plus and ESPN Plus included with other cable, satellite and telco TV service packages. Whether an operator has an MFM with Disney or not, the precedent's been set and others will undoubtedly demand a similar deal to charters. And the approach could also see operators demand similar terms from companies like Paramount Global for Paramount Plus, NBCU for Peacock, 
and WB Discovery for Max. So we'll have to see, but definitely Disney has set the precedent. They've said, yes, we need to give some of that value back into the pay TV ecosystem to support it and provide access to at least one tier of service of our primary streaming platforms. However, I really think that the long-term value of this deal is questionable. Charter agreed to pay Disney more for the channels it receives from the company. And let me tell you, they're probably paying more than the money they saved in the license fees for the channels that they dropped. Remember, they were very minor channels that were probably getting 10, 20, 30 cents a sub. And Disney undoubtedly got bigger increases than that for channels like ESPN and ABC. The increase in license fees could force Charter to increase subscription fees again. This could end up making Charter's customers feel they are now being forced to pay more to cover the cost of Disney Plus since it is the most visible edition. Uh, People are pretty smart. They understand where this is going on. And, And some may be okay with that, but many will not. And they could, cable TV subscribers could be smarting over paying for ESPN when they don't use it. For its, for its part, Disney says that 71% of Charter's TV subscribers tune into Disney Channel each month. However, Rich Greenfield, an analyst at Lightshed Partners, he sheds doubt on, const- on the value of ESPN. He claims that only 20% of US households watch six or more hours of ESPN monthly, and 40% watch three hours in a peak month and 1.5 hours in a normal month. Really, that is not great value, and I have a feeling that charter subscribers are going to continue to smart over paying for ESPN. And the whole purpose of charter's negotiation with, with Disney is because they are looking for a more sustainable business model. In the short term, this deal may slow the decline in Spectrum TV subscribers, and if it's duplicated at other pay TV operators, it may do so too. But I don't believe it's sustainable in the long term because it really doesn't address the core problem with the big cable bundle. It's just too expensive and forces viewers to pay for far too much content they don't want. Whether that content is Disney Plus Basic or ESPN. Consumers now want flexibility and they know they can get that flexibility if they exit the traditional pay TV bundle, take their $115 a month and spend it on the services that they want rather than the ones that they're forced to buy for taking traditional pay television. So, Doom loops are still very much in evidence, and I think that at least for now, they're going to continue to cause the decline in pay TV to accelerate. If the Charter Disney deal does not do what they want it to do, which is to slow and stop that decline, I'm not sure where the bottom is for pay TV anymore, particularly now that sports are moving online too. 
you would like a rough transcript of this podcast, just hop on over to the Endscreen Media website and look on the analysis tab and look for the latest posting for Endscreen Noise and you'll find it there We're, along with a couple of diagrams that will probably help you understand a little better what's going on in the traditional pay TV business and in our business in general. And while you're there, if you haven't done so already, sign up for the Endscreen Media newsletter. It's free, available daily or weekly. So this has been Colin Dixon with Endscreen Media, and I'll speak with you again next time. This podcast is the property of Endscreen Media, all rights reserved.